Hello, everybody. Roger Castillo here, co-host of Tigers SRD with Chris Brown. This is a special version as I am the co-expert over at Motor City Bengals. And currently right now, long story short, the Motor City Bengals podcast is on a little bit of a hiatus, but we have some really talented guys over on staff. We have Jacob, we have the two Johns, John Walter, and Youper John, and they've done a really good job of writing. And so I want to give an opportunity to talk about the draft. This was recorded Thursday as the draft was occurring. So, so it's a couple days old, but expect a little more stuff like this on the Tigers feed eventually. So just wanted to give these guys a, an opportunity to speak on Mike. They're really good guys. And there'll be other people on staff like Marty Tellman, Tigers Jed UK, who's also on staff and many more. So just wanted to give like a, a mini version of a round table to see how we liked it. All the guys were excited about it. So just want to give you a little prelude note on the recording. I had to edit out the beginning part of it because the audio wasn't really good. And I'm really a stickler about trying to have the best audio quality as possible. So sit back and enjoy this special presentation of the Motor City Bengals roundtable. Some news coming up too as well involving that. It's, and we got some stuff on the way for Tigers Minor League Report, but just wanted to give you a little bit of a little different take, a little different version, and get some other voices on the feed until we figure out the whole Motor City Bengals podcasting, yada, yada, all that stuff. And uh, we have a great guest lined up for next week too. More on that on our Tigers Twitter. So follow us on Tigers Twitter, or excuse me, follow the podcast feed, Tigers SRD Pod. I believe, but either way, enjoy that he didn't know about it. And then to announce him as a third baseman as well, uh, unbeknownst to him. So it's kind of twofold. And then for, uh, well, we have two Johns here, so I'm going to go, I'm just calling you as Youper. Youper, what's your, <laughs> what's your take on this? Well, I'll tell you, it is, you think back to a year ago, you never hear this, like for Riley Green, you didn't hear a that they didn't know he was getting picked. They didn't know he was going to play. You just wonder if the whole COVID-19 shutdown of their offices and everybody being remote, if somehow they just kind of dropped the ball this year and little details like that communication got lost. That doesn't excuse it, but that's really the only thing you can think of. That they haven't had prior conversations that, hey, we might want you to be at third base. <laughs> I think that might have came up at some point over the last couple months when they've talked to him and his representative representatives but I, I you know it's probably not a big deal it's just one of those little quirky deals that we'll you know we'll forget about in a couple of weeks once they're on a field hopefully and, and john what about you i mean what, what's your take on this well i agree it's weird that he wasn't informed but if he ends up playing third base it just makes us more versatile it makes the tigers better that's a good thing as long as it doesn't hinder his bat development. So if he can swing the bat at third, he can play. Awesome. Gives us another weapon. It just seems like there should have been more communication. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the lack of communication sometimes with this organization, and I'm not trying to, we're not, we're not here to rip on the, the, the Tigers or anything like that. It's just, we're, we're being, if we're being critiquing or being honest about it, it just seems like it's, a little out there. It seems like there's just mixed signals along the way. But yeah, if it's just if it's a simple thing, we can all laugh about it. Hopefully, a couple of years from now, when he's hitting 40 home runs and Tigers go to the World Series, if we're uh, trying to be all optimistic about the whole thing. Right. But the I, I do 
under I do like the fa- I do like the pick. I like his upside. I was a big Austin Martin guy, but you know the the, the first let's talk about the first ten picks. That was a little chaotic. Like I did not mock drafts as NFL drafts. I think are we've I think we've learned writing and doing this the last few months that some of these mock drafts were way off. And uh, John, I'll, I'll refer to you on this. I mean, it's just the Marlins are already signing Matt. Uh, Go ahead and, and they, they sign the Minnesota pitcher Max. Um, draw a blank here all of a sudden. Uh, uh, Meyer. Yeah, Meyer. Max Meyer. They already signed him. They already had a deal in place. But every like, Austin Martin falling down to five to Toronto. That's that's a huge steal for the Blue Jays. Yeah, Austin Martin going to the Blue Jays. I mean, that infield is if if he stays as an infielder, that infield is going to be good for the next five Ever. six years. Um, with the Marlins though, I had him, I had him going Ace Lacy the whole way. So when they didn't take Ace Lacy, I was surprised. We'll go with surprise there. But like you said, I mean, I I did a couple mocks, and I think I only got five picks right. <laughs> like it was pretty bad this year. So it was, it was an interesting draft so far. Yeah, the ones that you at least you guys had you, your mock draft. You did that with uh, Chris, Kean, and Jay, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah, but you guys didn't claim sources or anything. The ones that cracked me up are like my sources say this, and that's you guys are having fun. So if you got five picks right, hey, that's that's a lot better than some of the people who had quote sources. Uh, Jake, what what about you? What, what, any surprises in the first uh, in the first? Well, I, I'll go you know I'll go first round, but in the first ten picks, what stood out to you? I mean, geez, right, right off the bat, right? Second overall. When when Kerstad went second to the Orioles, I was like, wow. You know, Austin Martin was the consensus number two pick, I, I, I think. Um, you know, as far as we kind of knew the, the Tigers were going to take Torkelson all along, and then after that it was Martin. You know, the only other guy that was really ever in that conversation. Lacey kind of got a little bit of a press just because, you know, if the Tigers wanted to go under slot or something like that to kind of get creative with the – with the pool there. Um, but I, I thought it would be Austin Martin second overall, and but they decided to go cheap and I think it burned him a little bit. Yeah. And, and it did burn him a little bit in terms of you, what, what about you? Well, it, it was a lot of fun to watch those first uh, uh, seven to 10 picks because it was so unpredictable for a change. You know, a lot of years, like when you um, look at Jim Callis at MLB pipeline and uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, his partner there, I forget his name. Ajante Mayo. Yeah, Mayo. Thank yeah. you. Uh, they're usually pretty locked in, and I think they only had like six out of the first fourteen right uh, before the draft, which is a really low number for them. Uh, so it was a lot of fun uh, just seeing the different ways it kind of weaved itself through the top ten picks. And it's frankly just obviously the NFL. You have trades, and that's fun. Um, but in in baseball, you have the the different uh, bonus requirements and. And the strategy of hopefully, you know, maybe being able to pay someone else later. Uh, that's something you don't see in, in, in football drafts. So it was, it was really neat, I think, just to see the, uh, the unpredictability factor, which isn't always the case. A lot of times, those, especially those first. Oh, some dogs are going, who let the, dog, well, who let the dogs out? I can always edit that out later. No, no worries, guys. Um, but no, and, and, and really, to me, I think the the Royals. I mean, the Royals are lighting themselves so nicely right now. Um, they got Lacey on their lap, and this is a team that won a World Series just a few years ago, and now they're going to be able to 
rebuild rel- relatively quickly. So um, they had that big pitching draft last year, and you know, and all of them looked pretty good. And now all of a sudden they're pouring a couple more guys right on top of it. So uh, that's something to you know think about with the Royals coming down the road. When we think the Tigers have so much pitching coming, uh, the Royals are only going to be about a half a step behind. Yeah, and the thing is too for for the Tiger and for for somebody for the Tigers, you have a division that like with the Royals getting better, the White Sox, all these teams have the upside. So you're wondering at one point when Detroit's going to play catch up a little bit. So, but the the pick right round number two was. Uh, Dylan uh, Dillinger or Diggler? Did I say that again? Right, I said that right at that time, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the kid out of Ohio State, the catcher out of Ohio State, which I'll be honest, I didn't really, I didn't know too much about. I haven't really watched any video or anything like that because I was watching. Um, John sent over John, uh, Seth Longway, who that guy is going to be whoever drafts him. Hopefully, maybe the Tigers draft him in the third or fourth round. Who knows? But he's still on the board. Let's start with Jake on. What you saw in, in Dylan, if, if in terms of just even play some center field, these guys good upside, play through a broken hand, so this guy is kind of a warrior, but what's your thoughts? We're talking Dingler? Yep. Yeah, so I I really like the pick personally just because I love catchers that can hit. You know, you don't get that too much at the, out of the catcher's position. Usually that's like a defensive first type position, and justifiably so. I mean, they're involved on every pitch. Um, but overall, I liked – I like the the offensive upside that you have there. I think it's a good value pick. I think uh, a lot of people had him, you know, atop their board going into day two. Um, so I I personally like the pick. I know there are some people that are kind of down on the bat. They don't know if it'll last. Um, but he's a guy that can walk. He's a guy that can hit for power and potentially stay at the catcher position. So I think those three things he has going for him. What about you, John? So, Jake, I'm the opposite. I don't really care if my catcher bats 220. I want him to call the game. I want him to be sure. framing. I want him to stop every pitch going past him. Like no wild, no wild pitches. I want a defensive catcher. That said, from what I've read, Dingler is like a team leader. Roger, you called it. He's a warrior. So I love that quality. I think he's going to bring the intangibles to the team. And honestly, the intangibles that we haven't really had since, I think our last big leader would probably be Torrey Hunter. Like, he just brought more to the table than his bat, and I think Dingler's going to be that for us. What about you, Uber? What do you think of the pick? Uh, you know, well, first I'll tell you. Uh, oh, yeah, broke your news. The Tigers did oh. pick Daniel Cabrera. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, they picked up, the, they, they got him. Holy got, cow! Yeah, they got the they got they got their guy. Sorry to interrupt you, you, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. But yeah, there we go. That's Big, amazing. Yeah. Very. Yeah, we were talking about, about him for a pick thirty-eight. So we were. Patch him up at sixty-two is pretty cool. No question. You know, you go back to Dingler though, real quick, and then we'll get on to Cabrera. Um, you know, as John was saying, I'm a home plate umpire. I like I like uh, defensive catchers too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So we're not getting uh, plunked back there. Um, but I like the fact that he seems athletic. He's played some center field. Uh, that should give a lot of, uh, you know, if he does hit and if his bat really does take off, you know, maybe they can move him up from behind the plate. But even if they don't, and you got a, you got a, a catcher who can 
you know, hit you 18, 20 home runs. Uh, that's pretty nice. I, I'm glad to hear he's got a good arm. You know, most catchers do. You know, Jake Rogers has a good arm. So between Jake Rogers and uh, uh, Dingler, you know, uh, if Cooper Johnson comes up through the system and looks okay, I think we're in pretty decent shape in the long run at catcher. Uh, I, I had no problem with the pick whatsoever. And here's the thing, too. Like, I watched Cooper Johnson last year at West Michigan. The guy's got a cannon on him. If you can figure out his hit tool, that will develop. But he does – he has a really interesting swing. If you ever guys had a chance to see him. But I think you can have, like, a defensive first catcher. And you talked about this, John. The catching position is seemingly going to change. With framing rate is such an important part. You're absolutely right. And the Tigers have not really – I mean, look at some of the worst catching they've had. In terms of John Hicks, his framing rate was one of the worst – Racing Reiner is kind of like a 4A player, but Dylan's hit tool, you got to like that. You like his speed. You think any time in the Cape Cod League, because I found out through Brandon Day of Bless You Boys that he was on the team, but he got injured, I believe. And that's what, why he didn't play any Cape Cod. So th- that's why there's no numbers on there. But, you know, for Tiger fans out there, the, the upside of him playing different positions, you know, maybe he plays right field. Tigers need some help there. Hey, that's not bad w- whatsoever. And, so Daniel Cabrera, who wants to start on Daniel Cabrera? That, that like, wow, I'm, I was kind of blown away. They just were able to get the guy they want. Supposedly, yeah, you were saying earlier you were 38, and now you got him at 62. Jake, yeah. Jake, are you stoked? I am. Yeah, you know they they seem to love these utility types that you know they can't hit too much. They can play some decent defense. Maybe they can run a little bit in the outfield, but the upside really isn't there. This is like a pure hitter. And uh, not exactly their type, although he is in the SEC conference, as we know Detroit seems to love. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love the pick there. I love it. John, what about you? Hey, I'm with you. I love this pick. I When we picked Dingler, I thought he was going to be off the board. No chance we get Cabrera. I'm stoked. And yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty stoked about it, too. So, yeah, it's oh, – Oh, yeah. You know, I think that uh, you see some of the comps – the one that jumped out to me that I liked, because I've seen him play on TV a couple times. You watched all the video. Uh, left-handed guy who kind of goes uh, gap to gap. I was thinking David DeJesus, you know. I think if you're a little more pessimistic, I saw somebody online comp him to Tyler Collins. I thought that was a little unfair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll choose to be optimistic and think David DeJesus, because that guy was a pretty good player. And uh, if you can get David DeJesus in the third round, you've had a good draft. Yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah, it's just like you gotta. The, some of the comps sometimes crack me up because you, when you hear some of the comps, you're like, ah, rah, like you almost what you do, like you just kind of cringe a little bit. <laughs> but no, and for, and for Cabrera, too, he's a left handed bat. That's the most important part of this. And he won, I was watching or I was reading earlier and I watched a little bit of his play in terms of what the, and Lynn Henning had him in the second round as a second round option. But, he was a guy who got number eight. And the reason why there's such a prestige to that too. And what I was reading on the LSU's website was, is that that number, number eight is specifically for LSU upperclassmen who best show leadership in the LSU program. So with Dylan, with Cabrera, you have two players that are outstanding clubhouse guys. And that goes a long way with, in terms of just, work ethic and everything, and, and sometimes people forget about that. They always talk about the hitting tools, but they don't talk about sometimes the mental aspect of it all, and that's such a key thing. And 
it's especially with the way some of these minor leaguers right now are waiting to play and what have you and that whole transition, you have to have some sort of mental fortitude knowing full well that instead of playing in LSU, you're going to play in front of 10, 15,000 people screaming fans. Now you are playing in front of 800 people <laughs> on a Friday night during a dollar dog night. And so that have that turn around and to do that, that says something to me. So, but so far, everybody, everybody's liking the draft and, um, I'll start with you, Uper. Was it was there, what other teams draft you like so far? What, what other drafts impressed you so far? Uh, you know the Mets. I was. I know some people are a little down on JT Ginn. I I would kind of gamble on the upside, you know, and uh, especially they got him in, in the second round. That's a really live arm, and if he gets healthy uh, and, they, and they can pay him and and get him in the system. I like that. I think he's a great pick. Nice deal for them. And, you know, they did well in the first round, too. Um, help me out on what that name was. Off of the Mets? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll do that. But, you know, they're, they're doing very well. I, 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 you know, just from today's picks, I really like JT Ginn. So the oh, uh, Pete, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong? Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah. That's a kid that I followed quite a bit. Uh, watching a lot of the summer video last year. I know they thought he was a little down, but man, he's athletic. Oh, um, I think he's going to be a center fielder, probably bat, you know, hopefully lead off if he's the guy that they think he's going to be. Uh, he's been playing on the Team USA's, and uh, that, that that's a good athlete right there. I think he's going to be a fine player. Hey, Jacob, what about you? What, what other teams draft you like so far? I think there are a couple of teams really that stand out for me. The first was the the Kansas City Royals, and we talked about them a little bit already. But to get Asa Lacey at four, I believe it was, and then to get um, Nick Lofton as well out of Baylor, the shortstop, that's a nice player there too. I mean, that's a that's a great start. And then they would add pitching again. You know, they went high school um, to get I think it's Ben Hernandez, um, which is a decent pick. I was watching some video of him, man. He looks like a kid. I mean, he doesn't even look like a high schooler at that point. He, he's got a lot of projection left in him as far as his physical uh, physical makeup. But uh, I was really impressed with the Royals. And then another one um, was the was the Blue Jays. And uh, to get Austin Martin, to get somebody who's so athletic at number five overall, somebody who we thought that was going to be number two. And then um, they turn around to get Van Eyck, who's a, who's a power arm. It was a very Blue Jays draft. They love the power arms and they love the athletes, and they got both. What about you, John? Oh, so I got to go with Cincinnati on this one. Getting Austin Hendrick there at Great American, uh, he's going to hit 40. I'm <laughs> really high on Hendrick, and I think it's going to be just amazing there. So I think he's going to move up really quick through the ranks, and, yeah, he's going to be a staple. Uh, my other one, though, is going to be St. Louis. You know, it looks like they all of a sudden have a type. They had Nolan Gorman a couple years ago. He's massive power, and they take Jordan Walker yesterday, who I think he's 6'6", and just probably some of the best power, raw power, in the entire draft class. So I really like what they're coming up with there. You know, you talk, speaking of a type, by the way, I do I do like the fact that the Washington Nationals pick, you know, big, brawly, brawly, uh, big, brawly, or big arms, and they have they always have a certain type, and I do like what they did in the first round with a kid out of Oklahoma in Cade, I believe it was um, Cade uh, Cavelli, who is a, a guy that 
in some cases, like until recently, I didn't really watch too much on him at all because Big Twelve country. But you saw him yesterday. He stands up. And he's just like, um, but uh, the what I found an interesting odd choice for me was Patrick Bailey for the Giants. I mean, here you already have Joey Bart, and I don't know. I I was trying to find out if they announced if they're going to move Bart or not. But I know what Posey's kind of thirty two, thirty three. Seen better days, but. The Giants, I mean, the Giants, here's a team that what, what what they're able to do, their front office is so, taking a bunch of flyers and a bunch of un, free agents last year, kind of guys you never heard of, and look what happened with Yastrzemski. This team knows how to evaluate talent. So what they see in Patrick Bailey, it, it, you know, the Giants are doing a good job of doing a quicker turnaround than the Tigers are rebuilding their squad. So I was, I was, you know, we did kind of a head scratch last night going, really, Bailey? But... I, I thought the Giants always have the Giants. I thought had a really interesting draft so far, and, and so things with the Nationals. Nationals sticking with the type so far, and the Yankees with Austin Wells. I don't think he's going to end up being a catcher. I think he's going to be a first baseman or possibly outfield. Uh, I know they were talking about moving him around. Of course, the Dodgers being the Dodgers with Bobby Miller. Is anybody expect anybody surprised with the, the, the type the Dodgers yeah. pick? No question. <laughs> Yeah. So, no, it's been it's been it's been fun. But uh, the other the other things I want to talk to you guys about before we uh, skedaddle, there's two things left, and, and really right now is the war between the owners and the players, and getting a season started that is fairly compromisable. So I wanted to get your take, John. I'll start with you in terms of where do you side with this, and and why, in your opinion, really in terms of like players should we get paid? I think players should get paid, what have you, but at this point, you know, the NBA has got everything settled. The NHL has got everything settled. What, what, why this, I mean, in your opinion, is this all, uh, all these robots really unnecessary, un, really, un, it's a common sense question. Are they really unnecessary? But it just seems like they, they're trenched in and they will not go, let go. So first off, of course, I want everybody to be healthy. That's got to be number one. But now the other sports are starting to get that handle, how they can do it. It's, time for baseball to figure it out. And all this is doing is putting a bigger rift between the fans and the game. It's hurting the game itself. Um, I think, yeah, pay the players. You signed them. Owners have, I know they say they don't make money. They're all in the red every year, but with TV contracts and everything, they're probably making money. I wouldn't assume you'd own a team if you were losing money on it. (laughs) But yeah, I think we got to, we got to get a season going or else we're just going to lose even more young fans. And this is the time like you can show up, do something big and you know, it's America's pastime. Let's, let's get it going. You, but before I get to Jacob, what about you? I mean, you're, you're a little older and I'm not, I'm not saying this is a, as a bad thing, but you are, you're the oldest, eldest of them uh, among us all. And you've seen, you were there for the 94 strike just as much as I was, but What's your whole stance on this? Well, I'm, there's no question that it's always unseemly when you have billionaires arguing with millionaires how to divvy up the money. And, you know, it, it's a $10 billion per year industry. And the fact that, you know, they can't come together on something relatively quickly in a time of, you know, national upheaval or whatever you want to say, um, it's disheartening. Uh, I think that the players are going to have to come off that full 100% proration just a little 
Um, but the, at the same time, I think it would be a disaster if the commissioner has to impose a 50-game season, and that's all. And they don't ever come to an agreement beyond that. Because I think that was set up for a really nasty um, uh, negotiation for the next CBA in 2021. Because uh, I think that's even the bigger thing that's hanging out there. Uh, the nastier that this one gets and uglier and uh, the more acrimony there is, that's just going to carry over. And then you're looking at a big work stoppage down the road, and nobody wants that. I mean, because we all saw that before. Um, it's not good for the sport. So I think it's really critical that sometime in the next, you know, five days, maybe by next Monday, if they could do something over the weekend to get a plan in place where they have come together on, a, you know, uh, that each side is given a little, that would go a long way to setting a better, uh, uh, better mood for that next negotiation, the big one next year. What about you, Jake? I mean, you, like, you've been seeing the back and forth, and you've had some really interesting takes on Twitter. Where's your stance on this? Yeah, you, you've talked about it at the tail end of, of his take there. But, yeah, to see some give would, would be nice. And I don't have any skin in this game. I'm not taking sides. I just want there to be baseball. So what the frustrating part is here is it seems like there's the owners who are basically sending off the same offer over and over and over again. And then you have the players that are sending off the same offer over and over and over again um, until their last proposal, I think, was actually starting to kind of give a little bit and really negotiate. Um, but there for a while, it just seemed like they were reiterating what the previous offer said and said, oh, this is our this is our best. And then the players would send an offer and say, oh, this is our best. And it was just like we weren't getting anywhere for such a long time. So, yeah, I I don't really want to get into the whole financials of you know billionaires and how much they're making how much they're losing um it's it's so tough to to really know with everybody being private um but forbes did estimate the tigers at i think 30 million operating income heading into the season and they were by far the worst team in the league last year um so that suggests that you know they might be ahead and i just don't understand why the owners wouldn't be ahead to try to move forward with the season at this point yeah, without getting too much in the financials, because it is, it does seem very odd that the owners not being transparent for how much money they are losing. And there's a, right. there's an element there where I think I think the Braves are the only ones that have their financials on pu- public, all their all the information available. And so uh, you've seen teams like the Oakland A's and the Nationals do about faces about uh, paying their minor league players. And I just want baseball just as much as you do. And I think right. a lot of people, and I mentioned this too, the the average age audience, and you were talking about, um, I believe it was, John was talking about this earlier, the younger audience, you have about, you know, anywhere from like 20, anywhere from like the, the teenagers to like 25 years old don't care about baseball. You have an, you're losing a lot of, yeah, so you're, you're, John knows exactly what I'm talking about because you have people who are on the fringes who look at this game as a rather, Anciently, it's an ancient game. If you think about baseball in the grand scheme of things, how much has it changed in 130 plus years or 150 plus years? Not much. I mean, in terms of like the, I mean, the rules. I mean, don't get me wrong, steroids and muscles and all that. So the advancements in the game, in terms of that much, but in the the principles of the game, the simple ball, the scoring runs, all that, that has not changed. Rob Manfield's trying to. Imp- start change that really to me is unnecessary there's nothing wrong with the game it's the delivery of it 
Um, there were some suggestions of, I like, you know, a suggestion for me simply take out, I mean, John, um, Youper, don't you live in Iowa where there's like five different teams you can't even watch? <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, it, it's beyond bad. Uh, and it's almost like I got an extra penalty for being a Tigers fan in Iowa. Cause there's not many of us obviously in Iowa, but we are blacked out with the Royals, the twins, most of the White Sox, though, not all. <laughs> so I, I miss all those games. And then in, in interleague, if they happen to play the Cardinals and the Brewers, those are uh, blacked out as well. So, yeah, it's uh, not fun being it's, – it's hard. They make you work at it here in Iowa uh, to be a Major League Baseball fan. There's no doubt. It's what's the point? I mean, it, it, I don't know. That, and that's really why I wanted to get your final, like, final thoughts on it a little bit because – for us, it makes it easier to, I don't know, write about it versus five things why Cabrera, like, it, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It does, those kind of, like, it, it, generating ideas is fun. But then some after a while, you're like, am I really going <sighs> to, all right. And I'm not, and I haven't watched any Korean baseball because I'm not up that early. And if I am, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, that's the last thing on my mind right now. So, um, but last thoughts as we head into the third round right now. It looks like the third round's wrapping up. The Giants are doing their back-to-back picks. And uh, any last thoughts before we go into the who the tiger who do you guys like here in the third, fourth, and fifth round? Now they they have three good bats, so I mean, are they should they go pitcher here? Well, it's been such a deep college, you know, for for weeks now we've been hearing about the deep college um, stable of arms in this draft. So you know, if they want to start adding, uh, that would be great. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Uh, I'm not big on drafting relievers. I think there is a couple of hard-throwing guys, though, that they think project to be, you know, triple-digit relievers out there. I would rather take a college starter and uh, and try to groom him to be someone who pitches you innings. So we'll just have to see what they do. I predicted Blaze Jordan to get picked, so he's still out there. But I don't think they have the cash anymore now to probably get a high school guy. But uh, I, I think that kid, he's only 17 years and five months. That's really young for the draft. Uh, that that extra year or so of physical development would be awesome. So if by some miracle they chose him and signed him, I'd be pretty happy. Hey, Jacob, what about you? Yeah, I think it is time to uh, to look into some pitching as well. Um, they've been position pitcher or position player heavy the last two years now. Go back to 19, I think eight of their first 10 picks in the draft were uh, position players, and then they've gone position talent with the first three rounds this year. Um, obviously, pitching is a strength of the system, but um, we're going to start seeing those guys at the big league. So um, I think loading up on, on some pitching is a good idea here, and especially as you get into the later rounds because a lot of the high school guys aren't going to be there. So it's a good opportunity to get some college guys, some guys that can get up the system quick. Um, so I'd like to see some some starters out of college. Tom, what about you? Well, I've only been cursory looking at who's been drafted, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Gage Workman's still on the board. Yes, he is, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And right. you know, I'm a huge Workman fan. I was actually hoping we'd take him in the second round, so if he's still there now, he's my guy. Um, I mean, Arizona State having Torkelson and Workman, if we get them both, that's just going to make them more comfortable together, and I think Workman is just an extreme talent. Um, but if we go pitcher, Roger, you said it earlier, I love Seth Londway. He is a left-handed Zach Hess. The kid just strikes people out. Um, Kyle Crick would be a, another right-handed comp for him. 
with the uh, Pirates reliever, when he was coming through the minors, you couldn't hit him. He might walk the bases loaded, but then he'd get three strikeouts. <laughs> if you can't touch his ball, he can only beat himself. And that's, that's going to be Seth for me right there. I mean, in my article, I said, if you look at his college numbers and compare it to the major leagues right now, only two people had a better strikeout rate than what he had. Granted, his walk rate was off the charts, but we don't care about that. If we want a left-handed, two-inning reliever, he's our guy. Honestly, and you know, John, it's been a while since the Tigers have had. I mean, you, you if you want to, if you want to really talk about a lights-out left-handed reliever, I'm not counting Bill Coke. Sorry, I'm not counting Bobby C. Those <laughs> two, those guys are fine gentlemen. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm like the last effective Tiger reliever. I mean, just just from a left-handed standpoint, maybe J- Jamie Walker. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think about a Will- month dominant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to like, I'm drawing, I'm drawing, I'm drawing straws here because I'm trying to think about it. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. I cannot think of like Willie Hernandez, of course, won a Cy Young, but that's that's different. That's a different game, and relievers were used differently then. But like in terms of who I like, I like um, I like Trey Cruz, um, the shortstop out of Rice Bloodline. The Tigers do well. You Bloodline does so well. Toronto. I've talked about that before, and uh, I'll beat Mm -hmm. it. They're beating, beating the ground. That is not a bad way to go. But in terms of left-handed pitchers, long way, you're talking about him. I I think he's going to have a career here, or he would have a good career here. And in terms of who's left on the board, I think, is Kyle Harrison still around? I can't remember. The name Scope, so I think he is. Okay. Well, that, yeah. Yeah, I think he is too. yeah he's a high, that high school kid. Um did pretty well. He's drafted at U. He's going to be supposed to be going to UCLA. That was a left-hander that I think was slotted third or fourth round too. So it would be right within there. But it depends if he wants to go to UCLA or not. And the only other one I can think of, and this fits them. And yeah, I hate to say this, but it fits the Tigers' profile because they've been going to the Coastal Carolinas quite a bit. Nick Sweeney, that left-hander out of North Carolina State. So those guys seem to the, the Tigers have gone to the ACC well quite a bit. So. For that matter, or even somebody like uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing another. I think Luke Little was drafted already. So, but oh, was he really? I didn't see that. I think maybe he was. I'm not sure. I, I have to double check that. But either way, so as of right now, the Tigers are heading into the third. I believe it's the third round's about to start. And as of recording, so um, stay tuned for more content. We really appreciate it. this. Is kind of a trial run. See how it goes and. Thought it went well, gentlemen. I, again, thank you for your time, and hopefully we'll be doing more of these. And look for more content available at MotorCityBangles.com, your source for not hot takes. Uh, either way, we really appreciate you checking out, checking us out this evening, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. A lot of fun.